The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from our nation's capital. All talk here in Washington, D.C. turns to President-elect Joe Biden's administration. Speaker Pelosi has beat the political odds and reclaimed the gavel. We're talking right now about 2024 jockeying amongst Republicans. Bloomberg Sound Off. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. Biden has promised again and again that he will unite the country. The only way things happen is if Republicans and Democrats work together. Unfortunately for President-elect Biden, this is a time when he's getting the most support he's going to get in the Democratic Party. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Devin Cirilli on Bloomberg Radio. Washington, D.C., under National Guard protection. Meanwhile, President-elect Joe Biden asks Americans to mask up for 100 days. All of that and more reaction from President-elect Biden's $1.9 trillion stimulus plan. I'm going to check in for an exclusive interview with Congressman Dwight Evans, Democrat from my hometown city, Philadelphia. And we begin tonight with the big story, a new reaction and comments from President-elect Joe Biden, who outlined earlier today another continuing plan for how to combat the spread of the coronavirus. And he says that he is asking the general public to wear masks for 100 days to combat the spread of the virus. He also said that he believes he can get there to be 100 vaccinations in the United States within his first 100 days of office. I've got sound on that. Let's roll the tape. 100 million shots by the end of our first 100 days in office. Some wonder if we're reaching too far for that goal. Is it achievable? It's a legitimate question to ask. Let me be clear. I'm convinced we can get it done. And this is a time to set big goals, to pursue them with courage and conviction, because the health of the nation is literally at stake. I want to welcome to the program Jeannie Sean Zeno, Iona College professor and author of American Democracy and in Crisis, and Rick Davis, a partner at Stonecourt Capital, former campaign manager for John McCain's 2008 presidential campaign. Both of them, of course, are our esteemed Bloomberg political contributors. Jeannie, I'll start with you. I mean, there, there's so much riding on 100 million vaccinations. I was in the Bloomberg terminal this morning looking at the 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 increase in the virus uh, from this fall. And it's just remarkable how the curve flattened in the summer and then has just dramatically spiked uh, this winter, unfortunately. So I was thinking the same thing. We heard today COVID deaths have passed 2 million worldwide. This is the we're at the end of the deadliest two weeks in the United States. Tuesday, over 4,460 people died in one day. You know, some of that overshadowed by all the political news in Washington. And so, you know, the Joe Biden came out last night with his uh, his stimulus plan. He also spoke this afternoon about what he wants to do specifically about COVID. 
And the 100 million shots, which you're just talking about in 100 days, is something he has talked about and he's promised to do. But the question is, you listen to health professionals. Some say we're going to need something closer to four or 500 million shots in order to turn this thing around. So, you know, he's certainly headed in the right direction. His tone is is quite starkly different from what we've heard from the pre, from the current president. But you have to wonder, when can we turn this thing around? Because he, as he keeps saying, it is a very, very dark winter for COVID at this point. And, and to dive into the policy details of, of the specifics of President-elect Biden's plan, he's going to really uh, encourage states to abandon a complex series of priority groups that have been used in order to, to vac- for vaccination and instead focus on giving shots to the frontline essential workers and anyone over the age of 65. He's going to set up a community vaccination centers and mobile clinics to jumpstart the effort to make shots available at pharmacies. So it appears, Rick Davis, that there's some policy here and and a mass rollout uh, plan that they've been working on during the transition period. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. And and, and that's probably been the most important thing to Joe Biden. It's what his hallmark of his campaign was, is to be the guy who could tackle coronavirus. And that is what he's been working on. And and his plan really starts to uh, reflect some of the deficiencies of the current administration's plan. I mean, we've only inoculated 10 million people, 3% of the population, but but we have 20 million vaccines that have not been used to this point in time. And so what I think he's talking about is not only do we want to get those in the arms of people right away, less worry about what order we take them in, but also we need to shove another 100 million of these things through the system. And that is a, uh, a Herculean task. And so uh, there's money in the stimulus plan to help effectuate that. That means it's got to get through Congress quickly. So this is going to define his first 100 days in office. And, and some new faces going to be the face, so to speak, uh, of the vaccination rollout. David Kessler, uh, whom Biden's team appointed the former Food and Drug Administration Commissioner to be the chief science officer of COVID response. So we're not going to hear any more about Operation Warp Speed. They're going to be calling it the COVID response. And Kessler is replacing uh, Monsef Salawi, who served as the chief scientist on Operation Warp Speed. So I think we're going to be hearing a lot about Kessler. I've got some reporting to suggest that Dr. David Kadlik, who is a, a, a really a, a, a long-term individual in Washington, D.C., might be looking to go back uh, to Capitol Hill. He has been a, a, a someone behind the scenes, a steady hand behind the scenes in terms of the vaccination rollout. But Jeannie Shanzano, to Rick Davis's point, I mean, uh, there's Congress has a role here, especially in the one hundred and sixty billion dollars that President-elect Joe Biden has been calling for as part of his $1.9 trillion plan. And I've got sound on this from House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, because she actually uh, said that she is absolutely going to introduce legislation backing President-elect Biden's plan. Take a listen. It's not just about the vaccine. It's about testing and distancing and all the rest. I mean, there you have it, Jeannie, Jeannie Shanzano. So I was it was really interested to hear Nancy Pelosi come out today and see what she has to say 
there is a good deal of support, of course, for going forward with this in the Democratic side. But if you look even more closely at what they're saying, you hear some progressives saying that he doesn't go far enough um, in terms of what he is asking for. And then you see some of the more moderates, the Joe Manchins of the world, saying it may be too much. And when we talked to Representative Mace yesterday, she talked about the fact, shouldn't this be more targeted? So all of those things combined are going to make this really, really tough to do. And I just want to raise just two really quick things on what what Rick was saying and you were talking about, about the vaccinations. Having just personally, I am, I am able to get vaccinated as an educator in New York, given the rules. But when you go on the state website, there is not a location in this state where you can make an appointment at this point. So, you know, getting the vaccination, even if you're qualified to do it, really, really tough. And then, of course, the big news out today that the second doses, the reserve uh, second vaccine doses do not appear to be available, or at least according to the governor of, of Oregon. So j- just based on what you and Rebecca were talking about, these are huge stories when you talk about what is going wrong here with this rollout, which has been dismal, I think is the best word. Yeah, Jeannie, we we want you to get your vaccination. Yeah, right tell us when you get it. <laughs> Thank you, Rick. If there's anybody I could call on your behalf, I'm happy to do it. Um, they, please but, do. <laughs> but getting back to, to Congress, I think what's interesting, and, and we can talk a little bit with Congressman Dwight <laughs> Evans, who's going to be on the program later about this, uh, you know, but the House has been voting for this stimulus package basically for months. Uh, it is what they've been passing. It's in essence uh, a little bit different in the numbers, but it is the package that that the House has been sending to the Senate and the Senate has been unresponsive. Now you're going to have a Senate that's going to be controlled by uh, Chuck Schumer, a senator from New York, and is as majority leader. Is he going to be able to thread the eye of the needle and get a $1.9 trillion package through uh, a, a Senate that 50 percent of the votes are Republicans? And so this is really going to be an, an incredibly important period of time, much more for the Senate, who now have a, uh, uh, a dual responsibility of tackling the coronavirus uh, ask of the incoming president and also uh, trying – Mm-hmm. In an impeachment trial, the outgoing president. I was re- that's such a good point. Of course, we're going to talk more about the uh, impeachment trial uh, in a few minutes. But I, I, I'm really struck by how now there are some uh, voices coming out in the Democratic Party saying slow and steady in terms of taking a breath, taking a pause to complete the investigation, and that perhaps it really was the right decision not to hold a Senate trial this week, uh, as Leader McConnell had had signaled that that having an impeachment trial this week uh, might not have been the best route for the country, uh, especially with 20,000 troops descended upon the nation's capital, more troops, as a source put it to me this morning, in the intel world than Iraq and Afghanistan combined. Just let that sink in for a second. So I think there were some voices in the Democratic Senate party that came out uh, within the last 24 hours and just noted that, uh, look, the trial needs an investigation. It needs uh, a narrative. It needs uh, uh, items submitted for the record. And you can't necessarily do that in a week. Uh, so I, I think that's a really uh, interesting point, Rick, that you just brought up. Can you talk, Rick, about the tone of President-elect Biden this week and how he has uh, chosen to put the focus on a stimulus plan and on the vaccines versus weighing into uh, the the, impe- the impeachment and the 
attack on the Capitol last week. Not that he didn't weigh into it, but that but that decision to spotlight a solution this week and why that's important. You're you're exactly right, Kevin. He he continued the message that he's had throughout the campaign. Uh, he's always said, in order to get the economy back, we've got to tackle the public health problem of COVID, and so. He would love there to not have been uh, all this rancor, uh, an attack on the Capitol. He would have loved to have had his uh, count from the Electoral College done in a much more uh, nonviolent fashion. Uh, but, but he didn't get those circumstances. But he didn't fall prey to it either. He didn't let that consume him. Uh, so what he did is stayed focused on rolling out these plans, as you described, the stimulus and the, and the plan on COVID. And, and those are the things that he knows – that in the first two years, uh, when another election comes up in the mm-hmm. midterms, he's going to get judged by that. Exactly. All right. Uh, we've got more sound on what President-elect Biden had to say. We'll play it for you coming up. Uh, Rick stays. Jeannie stays. I'll stay, too. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Radio. Congressman Dwight Evans joins me. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg Radio. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. It's Friday. We made it. We've got gratitude. We're heading into the Martin Luther King weekend. What will you do to honor that holiday? I'm joined by two of the best in the biz, Jeannie Sean Zeno, Iona College professor and author of American Democracy in Crisis, Rick Davis, partner at Stone Court Capital, former campaign manager for John McCain's 2008 presidential campaign. We're talking about President-elect Joe Biden's uh, policy-driven speech earlier today in Wilmington, Delaware, uh, what likely will be the last major address before his inauguration on how he plans to get America vaccinated. And I've got sound on this, freshly cut sound on tape. Uh, as President-elect Biden says, the vaccine has offered hope, but the rollout has been a dismal failure. Take a listen. The vaccines offer so much hope. And we're grateful for the scientists and researchers and everyone who participated in the clinical trials. But the vaccine rollout in the United States has been a dismal failure thus far. And in today's briefing, we discussed five things, five things we'll do attempt to turn things around. The president-elect went on to say that there is a clear economic consensus to spend in order to recover. Here he is. I talked about our moral obligation to act and about the clear economic consensus that making the investments I'm calling for, that the resource, that the required deficit spending as the original plans have as well, are necessary to get us out of this deep hole we find ourselves in as a nation. Jeannie, when I look at the president-elect's policy prescription, uh, the package has elements that would likely appeal to enough moderate Republicans to gain favor in the Senate. But it's going to be a tough, tough battle. 
It will be a tough battle. Um, He's, you know, I think there are elements of it that they will support. For instance, we'll probably get enough moderate Republicans to do the $2,000, for instance, Um, helping assist uh, potentially small businesses, those kinds of things. But where he's going to face difficulty are things like the minimum wage. Um, Yes, that passed in the state of Florida. He wants to spread that across the nation. That's something that we're going to see at least some Republicans and maybe some moderate Democrats push back on. But even more importantly was the allocation of state aid uh, to to states and localities. So those two things are just sort of the tip of the iceberg. And let's not forget, we're talking $1.9 trillion. And I go back to what we talked about last night. And I, I, you know, I, I would love to hear what Rick has to say about this as, you know, somebody who's worked so closely with Republicans, moderate and otherwise, you know, we are, there are many people who are going to be getting just, for instance, that $2,000 who haven't been affected by COVID. And that's where some Republicans and even moderate Democrats say this needs to be more targeted. And oh, by the way, we also have to think about the deficit. Yeah, Jeannie, you're exactly right. It is it is amazing to me that the Republicans in four years of uh, uh, Donald Trump have basically blown out any real concerns about the deficits. And and look, Democrats for years have been trying to convince the media that that they actually care about deficits. And the reality is nobody cares about deficits. I was just going to say, no one cares about deficits. And and so someday we'll get around to a debate as to who's going to be better at reining them in because they're out of control now. But at the end of the day, um, uh, you're right, it's going to fall along the fault lines of policy. There'll be things that Republicans can embrace. Uh, The package will be big. Uh, and uh, in one way or another, and and there'll be some sacred cows that get gored. I mean, uh, Joe Biden's asking for a fourteen hundred dollar direct payment. That's you know more than double the size of the six hundred dollar one they just passed. So we're gonna we're gonna see this play out in real time. He he does have the leverage of leadership. He does have uh, the leverage of a new administration. Uh, nobody wants Joe Biden to fail at this point. After all the rancor that we've seen in this election right now. The one thing we're not hearing is a majority leader like Mitch McConnell, like he did with Barack Obama, say, I will stop these policies from happening in the Senate. None of that today. So, Rick, I have to ask you, do you read what he put forward last night and then, you know, a bit today, but what he put forward last night specifically, some of that as sort of a trial balloon sort of inflated to give Republicans something to push back on, hoping he'll get something more moderate? Or do you really think he hopes and I mean, certainly expect he hopes, but do you think he expects to get this entire bill passed or was this sort of, you know, him playing politics with with what he can expect? No, I think this is this is an, a, a good ask. You know, it's an opening gambit. Uh, he knows he's going to get this passed in the House as is. They've already passed this bill a couple times. Um, it's in essence what uh, what was sent to the Senate at the end of the last year, and so um, he knows where the op- op- opposition is in the Republican Party, uh, and and so he's going to have to try and uh, game it a little bit. Uh, the reality is, it's highly unlikely that he's going to want to try to win on a party line vote, right? I mean, he's already said that he wants to get Republican support for this, and, well, and he's already in touch with the leadership to try and get it. If he, So this is what's interesting, though. From a process standpoint, when I talk to my the, the staffers up on Capitol Hill, you know, they're saying, why not try a piecemeal approach? And you've already got people like Senator Marco Rubio who are saying, break the relief plan into pieces. He's saying, why not just pass the $1,400 stimulus checks as 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 a, a side issue almost and just pass it in a piecemeal approach. And if you're president-elect Biden, that's an interesting opportunity because you could just, you know, break the $1.9 into into 
you the, know, the foul shots, Kevin free is, throws. The problem, Kevin, is, you know, there's this thing in law called severability, right, where yeah. the entire agreement is based on the entire agreement. Yep. And so mm-hmm. you start taking it apart. And, and the things that the Republicans like, um, it, sure, they want those all separated and, and handed to them on a silver platter. But then they have to give up. Uh, leverage if they do that on getting the rest of their democratic package. It's just going to be remarkable to watch how this all plays out in the first 100 days. It took him how many months to get the last round of stimulus? Panel stays. Congressman Dwight Evans joins. I'm Kevin Cirilli. This is Bloomberg. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio, joined by Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis. And we are also joined now by Congressman Dwight Evans, a Democrat from Pennsylvania, my neck of the woods, Philly. Congressman, how are you? It's Friday. We got to just exhale a little bit. How are you? How's your staff? What's going on? That's true. That's true. Friday is Friday. We have a rather exciting time next week with the swing in of President-elect Biden and Senator-elect Harris excited for the country as we begin to try to build back better and the opportunity of bringing people together. You know, we've had a a rough week uh, and we got to begin to try to rebuild and get people to work together. So how do you, I mean, just from take off the partisan hat for a second and just speak to us almost as a, as a small business leader and, and the leader of a, a small business, a.k.a. your office and your staff, just where do things stand right now for Congress in terms of getting back together? I mean, I got to say, I've been I've had the privilege of going around the world as a reporter. I have never anywhere I've been from the G7 to Saudi Arabia seen a security presence like I have in Washington, D.C. Uh, it's. You know, from your perspective as a as a lawmaker, how has the the security presence weighed on the city? It's no question that the security presence has been really concerning, but but it's it's for the interest and the protection of of the citizens who are there. You know, obviously uh, this event comes every four year with the swearing in of a new president and vice president of the United States. You know, we had an election on November 3rd. It was open, it was transparent, and the voters and the citizens decided. Now we will implement the new president. So it's clear to me that though the military presence is something that's somewhat disturbing, but it's all for the interest of safety of everyone. Obviously, the the, the uh, riot we had just about a week ago, uh, individuals trying to tear down the national government was not the way we should be operating. We should be operating on the basis of, you know, people get elected and move in, but that's unfortunate. But we're going to move ahead. You know, we're going to move ahead. We're going to hold together. We we have challenges such as this virus. We still have to beat this virus. And the vaccination, we, we have to get that out to people. And since you said small business, we have to take care of the small businesses. Mm-hmm. And I think when you see President-elect Biden, introduced a new package yesterday, $1.9 trillion. Small businesses are part of that agenda. So we're building on the things that we have done. The CARES Act, we did that. Uh, We just did relief a little bit. So so we're trying to say there's help coming. You know, there's help coming. So we must crush the virus, first and foremost, and then make sure these small businesses uh, and individuals and our schools 
or have the funds that are necessary. Congressman, you know, I know the, the chairman, panel. I know the panel has some questions about the economic stimulus, but I just and sure. and I definitely want to get to that. But are you confident that there's enough security uh, in place for for the inauguration next week? Are you confident that the Capitol is secure? That the FBI, law enforcement, and National Guard are all working together, uh, and that everyone is going to be protected? Well, I would say to you, yes. Uh, there's been briefings, uh, the Capitol Police, the Secret Service, all the other agencies, and they're working together. You know, there's always challenges, and there will be investigation. But at the end of the day, you have over 21,000 uh, people from the National Guard, the various police organizations working together. I'm going to be there uh, at the swearing. And I, and, I, and I wouldn't, you know, if I didn't feel confident and safe, uh, I wouldn't be there. So... Who are you most looking forward to seeing perform? Um, <laughs> There's only one answer. It's Gaga's national anthem. Let's go, Congressman. Come on. That's you. I think that. I think that. Look, I'd like to see them all. I'd like to see them all celebrate. <laughs> like a politician. Won't even give right. me an answer on the music on a all. Friday. We, need them all. we do. We, we need, need a lot of music these we days. Do. Congressman, yes, when I was we prepping do. for the show, uh, I was looking at the Pew Research Center's new poll that they came out. I was really struck by this. Donald Trump is leaving the White House with the lowest job approval of his presidency. 29% and increasingly negative ratings for his post-election conduct. The share of voters who rate Trump's conduct since the election is only fair or poor has risen from 68% in November to 76% with virtually all the increase coming in his poor ratings. This is this is the part that I that struck me. Trump voters in particular have grown more critical of their candidates' post-election conduct. The share of his supporters who describe his conduct as poor has doubled over the past two months from 10% to 20%. This is according to Pew Research. I asked this question and I, and I, I ask it, you know, stoically but and, and, and truthfully trying to understand. You've got a major pandemic, the economy in crisis, and then this attack on the Capitol. Is this, and I know you're in the House, but is the Senate able to two-track this, three-track this in a way so that you're able to hold the individuals, not just, you know, the, the current occupant of the Oval Office, but to hold all of the individuals accountable uh, for what happened at the Capitol last week, in addition to addressing these incredibly, incredibly important issues that are ravaging millions of American families. I'll put it this way. I hope so. Okay. This is a test. I need more than hope. But okay. Go ahead. Well, that's all I can do. I can only hope I'm not in the Senate. I hope they can do all those things, and such as the virus, deal with the economic package, uh, deal with the issue about impeachment. You know, we have to learn no more different than constituents we represent. People do find a way to manage, and we must do the same thing. We did it in the House. I hope they will do it in the Senate. And they will do it for the sake of accountability. No one is above the law. No one. Not president, not Congress, not Senate. No one is above the law. So the fact of the matter is, this is a question of accountability. We must have accountability in our political process. If we're talking about making economic investments, we have to have that confidence. We cannot take that for granted. And we can't think about it lightly. You know, here in the city of Philadelphia, 
Congressman Evans, this is Rick Davis. Thank, thank you so much for being on today. And I want to follow up uh, something that's really a lot more clear and dear to you, which is the House of Representatives. There's been a lot of discussion uh, within the House about how to handle the, the, the conduct of some of the House members and their potential culpability in stoking the riot. I mean, starting with, obviously, the denial of the election. Uh, but also uh, some pretty heated words in advance of the attack on the Capitol that sounded like promoting uh, the attack. And and I'm curious if there are active discussions underway for censure resolutions and maybe worse. Uh, the answer is yes. All those things are on the table. We need to review the behavior of members of Congress who have acted in ways that have contributed to this. They are not above the law, neither. These members have to be hold, held accountable, and their behavior has to be held accountable. So the fact of the matter is they, too, it will be reviewed. We'll look at it, and we'll have these types of discussions. But I'm sharing with you that everything is on the table, and the fact of the matter is they have to be accountable. So what's the key to this democracy is accountability. That's very essential. So they must be held accountable. And they will be held accountable. Congressman Evans, it's it's great to talk to you. And I have to say, Kevin, I love Lady Gaga, but I'm also <laughs> looking forward to John Legend and Bruce Springsteen. And, and right, Bruce, I love the boss, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> but she's doing the national anthem, so I just kind of, you know, but go I ahead. I hear yeah. you. <laughs> so, Congressman, I wanted to just get your reaction. I mean, you already talked about this a little bit to what you heard last night from President-elect Biden, and specifically with all your work in the small business, um, where do you think um, the, the package is going to look like coming out of the House and, and into the Senate in terms of, of funding for small businesses? And do you foresee any pushback from the other side on that kind of funding? Or do you think that's going to be one of the lower hanging fruits? Uh, I think it's one of the lower hanging fruits. One thing about small business, it tends to be supported by both sides. And in my view, we recognize small business is the backbone of our economy. So we need to send a message that small businesses are exhausted from this pandemic. So we have to we have to hear our small businesses. You know, in this case of Philadelphia, it's been devastated, you know, from restaurants to other kinds of small businesses. So it's clear that we have to. I like to hope, even though Kevin says he needs more than that. I can, the only thing I can have is hope and optimism that individuals will know how to act and that there will be adult behavior. Mm. I think that's what the voters are looking for from us. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Yeah, and just to follow up on that briefly, Amen. do you have concerns about particularly the PPP and some of what was done earlier? You know, as you think about, we keep hearing about some of the big businesses um, that, that got some funding um, versus some of the small businesses. And how do we guard against that and make sure that this money is targeted to those people that and, and businesses particularly impacted by COVID and, and, and in need? 
I believe with the changing of the guard, that will make a huge difference. We have learned from the past in the CARES Act is now time with new people in there. Even on the Small Business Committee, we are, we've learned a lot. We've learned some lessons. We're trying to learn from those lessons and be more effective in execution. That is a very essential part. That you see that Vice President-elect Biden has shown the commitment with $1.9 trillion initiative. And even the chairman of the Federal Reserve has stated we should go big and go bold. I think this is all in alignment with what the chairman of the Federal Reserve has expressed. You're in the... Now, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Understand that this is a part of the continued down down payment that Vice President Biden has talked about. And Vice President Biden is setting up so when he gives the speech in February, he'll be talking about a long-term initiative in terms of infrastructure. So you begin to put these two initiatives together, we will send a message to this economy that we are not playing around. So, I mean, you, I, I hear you in terms of... Uh in terms of the small business. And of course, that's really uh, one of the policy areas that you are, are really in the mix on, on Capitol Hill. But in your district, the third congressional district of Pennsylvania, in Philadelphia, Philly, my beloved city, a brotherly love. And you know, I'm a foodie and I love Dante and Luigi's and I love Medora <laughs> Mecca and the bomb bomb room. And you know, my dad always took me to Sunday dinners on Ninth Street. But I got to ask you, can they afford a $15 minimum wage? Because you know your Republican friends are going to say that they can't, especially when they can't even open their doors. I would argue you can afford not to. Mm. You have to do both. You have to do both. You have to be very creative. In the case of Philadelphia, when you look at surrounding states, you look at Delaware and you look at New Jersey, from a competitive standpoint, Pennsylvania is at seven seven dollars and fifty cents you have to empower people to have money to spend in this economy uh, it's been laid out that if you want this economy to operate people must have money in their pockets and we must spend that money to keep it moving so i'm saying to you if we're working together we don't go through the same old arguments that this is taking advantage of small businesses i say to you that we can move it look just one time look you you have President-elect Biden being sworn in next week. Let's work together. I'm on the mission of us collectively functioning with small businesses, that's small businesses, that's jobs, that's help the economy. What about... Go ahead, Rick. Go ahead. I was just going to ask the congressman, um, you know, we, we've got this great $1.9 trillion policy package on the table you were just talking about, you know, with these kinds of uh, boosts for uh, uh, minimum wage in them. And you mentioned too, Congressman, you know, something that has a lot of bipartisan support, which is a infrastructure bill that could actually put people back to work and and the monies that go into that, you know, can help build a stronger uh, uh, um, base in American industry. So at some point, um, the bank comes calling and says, look, you've run up a lot of debt here. <laughs> um, what are we going to do about it? Uh, is there a discussion going on in your committees about how much is enough and how much may be too much and, and what well, the I, ramifications of that might be? But I believe if you go by the chairman of the Federal Reserve, is not in my caucus, nor is he in the Republican. He said that we need to go big and we need to go bold. 
in terms of this economy. Right. So this is something that we should once and for all take heed of what he has said and take advantage of that. That's that's what he, he said that, you know, the fact that that came from him. And I believe that Vice President Biden is building on exactly what he has said, that it is in our interest to do that, to begin to build infrastructure. It is in our interest. Roads, bridges, uh, Wi-Fi, all uh, hospitals, you name it. It is in our interest to do that. Congressman, it's about the economy first. Congressman, should Fetterman run for Senate? Level with me. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that, you know, that's up to his decision. Well, that's who do you who do you think should be in the mix for Pennsylvania Senate seat now that Toomey isn't going to run? I haven't, I haven't focused too much on that. I focus You've on had other the things on your mind this week. That's, that's exactly, I have a lot on my mind this week. <laughs> so, so we can take you your name off the have, list, right? <laughs> Try not to have riders overthrow the government, right? And look, we had two yeah. police officers die. Two police officers die. Yep. Trying to protect us. The fact mm. of the matter is that we got to keep in mind those police officers are out there trying to protect us. So, I mean, and I say this, and its I don't want to sound like a broken record, and Rick and Jeannie have just been so spot on on this, and I think Tom Keene, my, my friend here, my mentor here at, at uh, Bloomberg, Bloomberg Surveillance, uh, Tom Keene, I think he's been really good with the tone on this and strong. And, and look, I mean, if you leave Washington, D.C., people are looking at what happened as just absolute insanity. And, and I guess it, I guess there's this... You know, and I was talking with a family member earlier. After 9-11, the country came together. The country came together. I remember that. I mean, I was a kid. But here you have a whole generation, Congressman, of, of Americans who are not necessarily witnessing that. And isn't it up to people like you and, and your Democratic and Republican colleagues to, to find a way, and maybe it's not in front of a camera, but to have a retreat to go to talk, to listen to one another so that this can be healed? And can you give us anything that perhaps we're moving in that direction and that this time will be different? President Bush, President Obama, and President Clinton will be at President-elect Biden's swearing in. That should tell you something. President Bush, President Clinton... President Obama are going to be at his. That is sending a message in itself. That's mm. sending a message. Even Vice President Pence is going to be there. So when you begin to say the best way to send a message is by your behavior, that's the best way to send a message. With yeah, Vice we... President Pence and, and all of the people being there, look, they're coming there to celebrate the transformation, the transformation a brand new president and that's important kevin that we should not take that lightly that is that is really really well said and and i think congressman dwight evans who's with us uh you know i think that that symbolism so incredibly important to follow up on that point do you feel that the trial in the senate that folks ought to take a breath and and really make sure that everything is investigated, but also to give America time to heal, process, move forward, refocus on the vaccination effort, 
And the second part to that question is, as Rick said to me earlier this week, the humility that Americans need to feel about what was just projected all around the world, all around the world in the past two weeks as a result of that attack on the Capitol. Kevin, you know, you asked a very good question. I said this to you and I'm very sincere at this point. The trial, we, we can do more than one thing and the trial should be conducted. It should be open. It should be transparent. It should be a trial that's conducted. It was a bipartisan uh, resolution of impeachment. There were 10 Republicans that voted. It just wasn't Democrats. It was 10 Republicans that also voted for the impeachment. The trial should be conducted. It shouldn't be hidden. It should be open. And then the Senate has a decision to make. Now, we did what we needed to do. The Senate needs to do what it needs to do. They should take the action. In addition to that, while that's happening, Vice President-elect Biden and Senator-elect Harris introduced a $1.9 trillion initiative yesterday. So they introduced the initiative. You have the impeachment going on. Now, we're going to go through the investigation and begin to find out what exactly happened on the Hill. That is also going on. In, in addition to that, and a, the swearing-in is being conducted this week. So I'm saying to you, we're hitting it from every single front, from every single front that we're sending a message. This is still the greatest country in the world. Yes, we have challenges. We as a country have challenges. But the fact of the matter, we're not running from these challenges. So Congressman. We can deal with these challenges. I was just going to ask you, because, I mean, here we are on the beginning of Martin Luther King holiday weekend, and and, and, and here's a man who uh, has been the symbol for nonviolent protests, and we've just gone through this ugly upheaval at the Capitol, and, and it, it, don't we have an opportunity to, in the memory of Martin Luther King, have a conversation about what we find as acceptable to the standards of this country? I think that's appropriate that you would bring up his name. It's rather interesting on timing. What better American world citizen than Dr. Martin Luther King that we could bring up that would talk about peace? That's, that's, that's the message he talked about. He died in a violent way, being assassinated, but he talked about peace. So I'm saying to you by, around Dr. King's celebration, it's a chance for all of us to reflect. It's a chance for all of us to reflect that this can be a better country. We have work to do. It, it's not going to happen if we don't work at it. If we don't work at it. We don't need to use violence. We don't need to use destruction. What happened in the Capitol last week was outrageous. Having individuals attack people, having individuals put elected officials under siege, you know, when I, when I was elected to this particular position, I never thought that my, my life would be in jeopardy. I never thought that would happen. But at the end of the day, that's what's happening. But, but I'm still going to be there in Washington, D.C. It is important. It is important with the conversation that we're having today that we must figure out a way to address these issues. Because there's a lot of challenges going on in this country. Income inequality, small businesses, collapsing, what's happening with our business community, what's happening in our neighborhood, what's happening, housing, you know, you name it. I don't have to tell you, you know the challenges that we have, but it will require 
a new type of leadership. And we're going to get that new type of leadership. It's been settled. It was settled on November the 3rd. As was said, this was the most secure, open, and transparent election as demonstrated through Georgia, as the people of Georgia stated, Arizona, Pennsylvania. I mean, it's very clear. It was decided by the voters, and the voters decided that they'd like to have mm. Vice President Congressman- Biden and Senator Harris. Yeah, and Congressman, I I almost hesitate to follow up asking you this because you're speaking so beautifully. And I just wanted to get your reaction about something one of your colleagues we've been hearing. And it's on this issue of violence that lawmakers carrying guns in Congress has made some of your colleagues feel unsafe. And I wondered if you or any of your staff have felt that way and if there is any concerted effort on the part of Democratic leadership or members to address this issue because it's something we keep hearing about. Um, there's no question. Look, I personally don't think that should happen. I don't think that's wise behavior. I don't agree with it. But at the end of the day, there are some individuals who choose to test, for some reason, to test the system. There's individuals who choose not to wear a mask. A mask doesn't have to be a political statement. It's about saving the health of this country. So at the end of the day, we need to have the kind of cooperative behavior, maybe guns, maybe masks. We need to have that behavior on Dr. Martin Living King's birthday. Just think what he would have said to us if he's looking back today. These challenges, you, you know, we have to rise to this level. And I'm saying to you that it's unfortunate. You would expect the political leadership to rise to this level. So Congressman, no, I don't agree with carrying guns on the House floor. Congressman, are the Eagles going to win the Super Bowl next year? Absolutely. Thank you. I agree. <laughs> There's some hope. That's what I needed. Congressman Dwight Evans. Everyone say hope, hope oh. is not a strategy. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? It's a medicine. You never forget that, yes, Rick. Yes, it uh, is. And, and, and listen, they shouldn't it, have gotten rid of did. Doug. Look what it did for the city of Philadelphia. Yes. As as as, as that New England Patriots. Exactly. And that and don't even get me started. And I couldn't even go to the parade because you all shut down the government and I had to cover the budget crisis. You don't think I'm bitter, (laughs) Congressman? (laughs) Thank you. Dwight Evans. I'll catch up with you later. Congressman Dwight Evans from the city of brotherly love. Uh, And and there you have it. I mean, what a week. My thanks to to Jeannie Shanzano and to Rick Davis as well uh, for just navigating through another another really meaningful week in Washington, D.C. Inauguration week. We made it to inauguration week. Next week, I will be there. We have live continuing coverage. Rick and Jeannie will be there as well. Have a great weekend. Happy Martin Luther King Day. And be safe. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.